Today on Blue 58, our position-by-position position review of the 2021 Packers returns for a look at wide receivers and tight ends. The Packers' pass catchers were actually pretty good in 2021, but this group also left some big opportunities on the table, too. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Very happy to be with you here for another episode. We've got a lot to cover on this episode, starting with an appearance by Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show today. He didn't say anything. Sorry to give it away if you haven't had a chance to watch the McAfee appearance yet. And uh, honestly, I only watched about 90 seconds myself because he said right up top that he did not have anything to say. Of course, surprising and not surprising at the same time. What's there to figure out if you're Aaron Rodgers at this point? It seems like a simple thing to me, but there's also really no good way for me to put myself in Aaron Rodgers' shoes either. All we know at this point is this. The franchise tag window closes for Devontae Adams March 8th. And in the meantime, it looks like we ought to be getting comfy because we could be here for a while. The Packers need Aaron Rodgers to decide what he's going to do first before they ultimately decide what to do with Devontae Adams, though I suppose they could tag Adams and then rescind the tag if they decide they want to go in a different direction if Aaron Rodgers doesn't come back. I don't know. It's it's going to be a process, and the biggest domino in that process is Aaron Rodgers. In the meantime, while we wait for all of that to sort itself out, I think a good policy for me specifically as it pertains to this podcast and us in general as fans consuming media related to this whole situation right now would be to say we are not going to react to things that are not actual things. So Aaron Rodgers posts an Instagram post. doesn't actually say anything, but everyone's a flutter over it because we just got to react to something. And what does it mean? Well, we don't know what it means unless he comes out and tells us. So let's react to actual things that happen. Aaron Rodgers says he wants to be traded. Aaron Rodgers retires. The Packers trade Aaron Rodgers. Whatever. Aaron Rodgers says he's back. Let's wait until those things actually happen before we start to react to those things. Let's try to avoid speculation if we can. Just respond to things when they happen. It's a big reason why I've said all along this offseason that the interesting thing really isn't what Rodgers does. It's what comes next. We're pretty clear on the options that he has. He can retire, he can come back to the Packers, or he can ask the Packers to trade him. Which, if he asked to be traded, I think at this point they'd probably accommodate him, but you never know. Those are the options, though. We all understand that. What comes next is what's interesting, and I'm interested to see what comes next, whatever it is. I think the Packers should keep him. I've been on record saying that. It doesn't really matter, though, because the discussion that's interesting is after all of that, whether he comes back or not, and we'll have that discussion when it's time. For something completely different, our main topic today is wide receivers and tight ends. Position-by-position review continues, and it brings us to these two position groups. Beginning with the receivers, as an overview, I think there were two things that we learned about the Packers wide receivers this year. First, they've got a pretty good selection of guys. And second, most of those guys need scheme support to really be dangerous. 2.1, the Packers have one superstar And I would say at least three guys you feel pretty good about in the right circumstances. 
Adams, Devontae Adams, obviously the star. That needs no explanation there. But those other guys, Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Randall Cobb are pretty good. You could do a lot worse than that. But to the second point there, there are some limits on each of those guys. Alan Lazard is a good athlete overall, but he has some limitations too. He has a pretty good top speed, but he needs a long ramp-up time to get there. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, though he has improved his route running, is basically still just a deep shot guy. And Randall Cobb, though he is quick in the short area game, stuff like that, he is not as quick as he once was, meaning you need some additional support to help get him open. I think there's an alternate explanation for that throw that we've all seen discussed to death. Uh, the Devontae Adams shot play, the last throw, I guess, of, of the 2021 season for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, in which he throws ultimately into double coverage, ignoring a seemingly wide-open Alan Lazard underneath. By and large, I think you could say the scheme stuff really wasn't working against the San Francisco 49ers. Dusty Evely, the great film dissector, uh, has a substack you should probably subscribe to if you're interested in this kind of stuff, but he did a breakdown on the Packers' play-action game against the 49ers and pointed out that as good as the numbers looked for the play-action game against the, the 49ers, If you actually look at the film of when the Packers ran their play-action game, it wasn't moving the 49ers a whole lot. When they did work open against play-action, it was because of plays getting extended or guys just uncovering late, stuff like that. The scheme stuff, in general, was not working great against the 49ers. The Packers needed guys that were just capable of beating the guy in front of them. And in that situation, late in the game, trying to make something happen, Rodgers needed a throw. And when he needed that, he defaulted to looking for the guy that he thought could win one-on-one. And it just so happened that that was the time that the scheme actually worked. Because that play, Devontae Adams works up the field, and coming across the field the other way is Alan Lazard working underneath. Wouldn't you know it, that's the time when the 49ers mess up a little bit. They may not be what happened. I just offer that as a possibility. Rodgers knows that the receivers he has other than Devontae Adams don't tend to work open on their own all that much. It's just kind of a fact now hearing what year four of MVS, Equinemia St. Brown, Jamon Moore, rest in peace, uh, NFL career. He's still alive as far as I know. Um, Alan Lazard. That's just how those guys operate. They need help. And so Rodgers, when he needs a throw, defaults to looking for the guy that he thinks can win on one. I'm not saying that's a good thing to do or the right thing to do or the best thing to do, but I think there is a certain set of circumstances where you can understand his thinking there. Let's go look at this guy by guy, though, because that negative rabbit trail aside, I still feel like I'm a pretty big fan of the the guys that the Packers had in 2021. It's a good group of receivers. We go fewest snaps played to most snaps played. The fewest snaps played by wide receivers on the Packers in 2021 was David Moore. That name ring any bells? It should, though he didn't play a lot of snaps. In fact, he played exactly zero snaps on offense this year, but eight on special teams, all in one game. Two kick return snaps and eight, uh, six on the punt return unit. He had three punt returns in that week 17 game for 33 yards against the Minnesota Vikings, a long of 21. 
The good for him is that the Packers needed an upgrade as a punt returner at their punt return spot, and Moore was available and filled the role well for exactly one game. The bad news, of course, is that he never got a shot to do it again. He went on the COVID list after that one game and was never active on game day again. Bottom line for Moore is basically the tiniest of what-ifs. What if he'd been returning punts and kicks in that divisional round game? Honestly, that was one of uh, Amari Rodgers' better games in 2021. But Moore is more explosive, generally more sure-handed, it seems. Could the Packers have eked out a few more yards of field position there? Would that have affected what they did in terms of play calls? We are stretching here, admittedly, sure. But it's a not inconsiderable variable. The Packers had a return option that looked more effective than Amari Rodgers for the divisional round game, and they decided not to use him. Got to make a note of it one way or another, I feel. Malik Taylor is next up on our list. He played 32 snaps on offense in 2021 and 132 on special teams, most of them on kick coverage and punt return. Not as much punt cover as you might guess. That was my initial suspicion when I, I saw his his breakdown of snaps in 2021. Not a whole lot of time on the, on the punt coverage units. Two catches for 14 yards uh, for Malik Taylor in 2021. No special teams tackles. I'd say by and large the very definition of just a guy. And that is good and bad. Didn't really have a ton of positive plays. Didn't really have a ton of negative plays either, though he did have one massive brain fart on a kickoff return that resulted with the Packers, or in the Packers, getting up stranded deep in their own territory in a particular game. But by and large, no harm, no foul there for Malik Taylor. In terms of his outlook for 2022, seeing that he was just a guy, basically, the Packers are probably going to try to find another one. If you're looking for one already in the building, about Chris Blair. Hung around on the practice squad all year long. The Packers have liked him for a long time. Maybe gets another shot in 2022, and maybe he finally steps ahead of Malik Taylor on the roster. Next up is Mari Rogers. In 2021, he played 130 snaps on offense and 116 on special teams. Ended up with four catches for 45 yards. One carry for 11 yards, running some jet sweep action. And if you want to be positive about Amari Rodgers, you can note that three of his five touches this past season went for first downs. And I do like to be positive when possible. But if you're talking about the good overall for Amari Rodgers in 2021, I have a real hard time thinking of anything. I don't think it's unfair to Rodgers to say that third-round picks should be better in year one. They just should be. If he can't be better than he was in year one, he probably shouldn't be a third-round pick, and maybe he shouldn't have been a third-round pick to begin with. Weird tendency breaker for uh, Brian Gutekunst even selecting Rodgers in the first place, but we don't have to discuss that entire can of worms here. The bottom line, though, is I think lost season just about covers it for Amari Rodgers. He was not explosive when he had the ball in his hands. Even without it, he didn't look like he had any real threat to to move the defense at all. He was not good at one of his main selling points, punt return stuff. He just couldn't seem to find a role in the offense. Sure, Randall Cobb took what was probably supposed to be his role in 2021. But when Randall Cobb got hurt, guess who didn't get the chance to step up in his absence? Packers went in other directions trying to replace Randall Cobb. Not Amari Rogers, the guy with the Randall Cobb skill set. 2022, I want to say there's nowhere to go for Rodgers but up, but 
it's entirely possible he could stay exactly where he is and not go anywhere at all. And if that ends up happening, where he probably ends up going is somewhere other than Green Bay. Next up is Juwan Winfrey. 143 snaps on offense for Mr. Winfrey in 2021. 40 on special teams. Finished with 8 catches for 58 yards and 2 fumbles. Remember Devontae Mays, 7th round pick in 2017? Ended up fumbling like twice in 3 career carries with the Packers. Juwan Winfrey's there. Not quite there, but pretty close. In terms of good stuff, though, when the Packers needed an actual wide receiver, they turned to Juwan Winfrey. When Devontae Adams was out against the Cardinals, Juwan Winfrey got 45 snaps. And when Randall Cobb was out down the stretch in 2021, it was Juwan Winfrey getting a lot of snaps in his stead. He had double-digit snaps in every game the last five games of the season, including the playoff game. The bad news for Winfrey is that he still seems pretty limited. He does not have the athletic gifts of even, for instance, Malik Taylor, And I think that limits his game quite a bit. The bottom line for Winfrey is that I think you call him the, what he is to Alan Lazard, I should say, what Malik Taylor is to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Lazard, a big-bodied, more possession-type receiver. Winfrey, a big-bodied, more possession-type receiver. MVS, an obvious deep-threat athleticism guy. Taylor, more of a deep-threat athleticism guy. But in the end, all that means for Winfrey is that he's a less good version of a guy who's limited to a pretty specific role already. So looking ahead to 2022, I think he probably gets another look because it seems like he was pretty consistent throughout the season. A lot of people in the building had good things to say about Juwan Winfrey, but I wouldn't be surprised if they went in another direction either. The same sort of goes for Economia St. Brown, who played 292 snaps on offense, 116 on special teams, nine catches for 98 yards for St. Brown this year, three carries for 14 yards, and five special team tackles. That is good for third on the team, and I don't think you can discount that either. He also had four explosive plays this season. Not inconsiderable either. The good for St. Brown is pretty obvious, I feel. He's a fairly versatile, interesting piece, can play inside, can play outside, can run with the ball, can do a lot of things. He's pretty reliable too. Play that comes to mind is a fourth down catch against the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Way down in the red zone, fourth and three. Who does Aaron Rodgers look for? It's Equinemius St. Brown. Packers scored on the very next play, and that was a big reason that they beat the Cardinals that day. The bad news for St. Brown is that he is still basically who he was as a rookie, and I would say not even as good a version of what he was as a rookie. Just by way of one example, as a rookie, he had 10 total explosive plays. He has had seven since then, missing the entire 2019 season as a result of injury just hasn't really been able to build on his rookie season. The bottom line has me wondering whether or not we've basically seen the entire Equinemius St. Brown experience. Kind of feels like we have. He kind of feels maxed out right now. And as a result, nothing would surprise me for 2022. He might be one of those guys that a team keeps around, that team being the Packers, because he means more to the Packers than he would, at least in theory, to another team. He's familiar with the Packers system. The Packers are familiar with him. They know exactly what they're going to get out of him. And as a result, they want to sign him. He also might be a guy where they're like, hmm, I don't know. We've kind of seen everything he has to offer. Let's see if we can do better. Neither would surprise me. We'll find out soon which one it is. Now getting to the real contributors. 
Randall Cobb played 371 snaps in 2021. That's almost exactly 33% of the Packers' offensive snaps. And he lined up for exactly one snap on special teams. The fumbled, muffed punt that he had in his one opportunity to replace Amari Rodgers. In terms of stats, 28 catches for 375 yards and 5 touchdowns for Cobb in 2021. Of note, he had six explosive plays this season, the same as in his final year with the Packers the first time around. I think he showed the Packers what a good slot can do. He was the first guy, I guess, in addition to Amari Rodgers, that kind of breaks Brian Gutekunst's wide receiver tendencies. Gutekunst has tended away from guys that look and play like, like Randall Cobb tends to play. And I think he showed a lot of value in that role. It didn't look like he had lost all that much in terms of speed and quickness, which is good. And he showed, again, the value of having a guy like that on your roster. In terms of the bad stuff, I think you've got to look to the injuries. He only played 12 games in 2021. And injuries have honestly always been a pretty big question with him. I'm not sure how you avoid a core muscle injury, which is what he had, but it still happened. And he was limited as a result. And he too, as we've noted already, is among the guys that are pretty limited by what he can do within the Packers scheme. He needs stuff to be schemed up for him. He's not just going to win one-on-one with the guy across from him. He's just not. He, he is not that kind of player anymore. Better, sure, than Amari Rodgers, but still, I think, needs some help. The bottom line is that he seems like he was a pretty good acquisition. I don't have any regrets trading a sixth-round pick for him. He did take away snaps from Amari Rodgers, but who cares? Now, looking ahead to 2022, I think if Aaron Rodgers ends up back with the Packers, they should make an effort to bring back Randall Cobb as well. But if he's not, don't worry about it. Cut him and move on. Take your lumps, eat whatever salary you gotta, and then just move on because Cobb is not part of the long-term plans in Green Bay. More complicated, though, is Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who with 455 snaps on offense played about 40% of the Packers' offensive plays. One snap on special teams, for those of you scoring at home. I don't know what that play was. Haven't looked it up. My suspicion is it's a hands team thing. Don't really care, though. It doesn't really matter. That's not a huge part of MVS's game. He had 26 catches for 430 yards and three touchdowns in 2021. Those are career lows for MVS in catches and yards. This is also the first year of his career that he has not had a rushing attempt. The good news for... MVS is that he's still an explosive threat. He had nine explosive plays in 11 games. That is the highest per game rate of his career. Good. Can still get deep. Bad news is the injuries. Lost season might be a little bit much, but not by much, especially considering what was at stake for MVS in 2021. Bottom line for him is, well, saying he had the most disappointing season on the 2021 Packers might be a little bit harsh, but given what was on the line for him, It's really hard to look at it any other way. And I've said that twice now. What was on the line for MVS in 2021? Well, I think to answer that question, we've got to look ahead to 2022 because he is an unrestricted free agent heading into this offseason. And I think even with the the 2021 season that he had, there's still a very good chance he gets very wealthy this offseason. If that does happen, I wouldn't guess that it's in Green Bay, but he has a very good chance of commanding a pretty good salary in free agency. And the reason for that is, well, to use an analogy I've fallen back on before, shopping at the wide receiver store is expensive. It's like one of those 
almost mythical places where nothing actually has a price tag on it. And if you need to ask what the price is, you probably can't afford it. That's just how wide receivers tend to work in free agency. If you've got a guy that is going to be sought after, he's going to make a lot of money. MVS hasn't had the career that a guy like, say, Robbie Anderson had when he hit free agency, but their skill sets are pretty similar. Both tall, wiry, speed-oriented guys, and those tend to be very sought after around the league. It's like a three-point shooter in basketball. As long as you can shoot, you're going to have a job. As long as you've got 4-3 speed and are reasonably good at catching the ball, you're always going to have a job. MBS is going to have a job someplace in 2022, and chances are he's going to make quite a bit of money doing it. He just missed out on an opportunity to make an insane amount of money by having an, well, say he had the stats that Alan Lazard had in 2021. He would be, they'd be packing up the truck for him across the league. Speaking of Alan Lazard, 716 snaps on offense in 2021, 23 on special teams. Relevant stats, 40 catches, 513 yards, eight touchdowns. Across the board, career high, career high, and career high. Also had three carries for 32 yards. I have absolutely no complaints about Alan Lazard. You need a blocker, he can block. You need a red zone target, he got one. You need a guy who can scheme up a deep shot, well, that, he can do that for you. For bad stuff for him this season, I think bad is a bit of a misnomer. Because bad, as it pertains to Alan Lazard, seems to be an issue of expectations. We've talked about guys who need stuff worked up for them scheme-wise, and I think that is Lazard. Sure, he needs a specific set of circumstances to succeed as a player. That may be true. But if you want more from Alan Lazard than he is offering in a season like 2021, I think that's on you. That's not an Alan Lazard problem. If you're wanting him to just be this miraculous deep threat, play in and play out, that's just not his game. If you want him to be a guy who's consistently winning in the open field with quickness, again, that's not what he does. You've got to set your expectations appropriately when it comes to Alan Lazard, and you'll get them, well, get your expectations either met or or not met, but it's on you to figure out what you want from him. He might have maxed out his skill set in 2021, but again, that's not his problem. I think he played pretty great. Looking ahead to 2022, he's a restricted free agent this offseason. To me, it seems super unfair that he's not going to hit true free agency until he's entering his age 28 season. But that means the Packers probably end up putting a second-round tender on him. Uh, That is $4 million or so. That's basically what the Packers did with Robert Tunyon, and then they added some void years on to drive down his cap number. But I don't know if they'll do that with Lazard or not. It depends on a couple other, other moving pieces. But they're not going to let him walk, and I think the second-round tender is probably what he's going to end up getting. Now, the big dog, Devontae Adams. We'll talk about the tight end big dog here in a second, but more metaphorical in Devontae Adams. Just the, the biggest threat the Packers had in terms of the passing game. 886, yard, or 886 snaps for Adams, missing one game, but still playing nearly 80% of the Packers' offensive snaps in 2021. Stats, look, they're all good. So let's just talk about my very favorite one for him, this season, 34 explosive plays, which is amazing for a wide receiver not known for his deep speed. I have records going back to 2008 tracking explosive plays every single season. 34 is the most by any player in a single season. Hats off to Devontae Adams. 
he has maxed out what he is capable of with the skills that he has, and it's a joy to watch. I have no complaints about his 2021 season. You could ask if the Packers targeted him too much. I don't know. That is not Devontae Adams' problem. If you've got issues with Devontae Adams, it's because you're looking for him. I don't know of one reasonable complaint you could really have for him in 2021. I think he played just about a perfect season. I don't know what else you could ask for. The playoff game wasn't perfect, but he's not throwing the ball to himself either. So I give him some slack there. 2022 gets a little bit complicated. We are in the franchise tag window for Adams, so it's got to be decided pretty soon here what the Packers end up doing. I think it's as simple as if Aaron Rodgers comes back, Devontae Adams is back. If Rodgers does not, it doesn't matter. The Packers probably shouldn't bring Devontae Adams back. If you wanted to get into the whys and wherefores about what the Packers should do with Devontae Adams, I still lean towards sign him. They're going to have to get creative uh, because some of the branding aspects of his contract get tricky. He wants to be the highest paid receiver in the league, uh, certainly justified on his part. But the Packers aren't going to pay him $30 million a year. They might have to make it look like he can make $30 million a year, but they're not going to go that high. It's just it doesn't make any sense to do that for Devontae Adams, especially at his age. I do think his game is probably going to age pretty well, uh, but it partly depends on playing with an elite quarterback who's going to feed him the ball all the time too. So we'll see what happens with Aaron Rodgers because that's going to tell us a lot about Devontae Adams. We're going to talk tight ends here in a second, but first I want to take a second and thank the sponsor for today's episode. And a big upset, today's sponsor once again is you, the audience. You are what keeps the show going, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for your support. I am committed to keeping one Blue 58 100% ad-free, and a big reason for that is the kind of people who want to advertise on this show and shows like it. Now, the Super Bowl just passed, and the Super Bowl brings out the crazies. I got ad pitches in my email this month from more gambling companies than I can name, and at least one less-than-savory website who I will not name, but they wanted to at least in part, pay us to talk about their banned Super Bowl commercial. Put together the dots there, you could probably figure out what kind of website that is. It's all kind of gross, is my point. And that's why I'd rather rely on audience support. What does that look like? Well, it looks like you heading to patreon.com slash thepowersweep to contribute any monthly amount you like. You can even give annually now if that's how you'd prefer to give too. What do you get? Well, first and foremost, no ads here or on thepowersweep.com, but also bonus content through Patreon and access to our Discord server, which is a cool place to hang out and chat with Packers fans from all over the world. Today, I'd like to shout out Patreon supporters Randy Bhutan, Paul Pegel, and Ken Wayne. Thank you, each of you, for supporting the Power Sweep, and Blue 58. Tight ends. Two things about tight ends. First, in a lot of ways, they were the most interesting position on the Packers' offense. Not because I just happen to like tight ends, though I do. I think there was just a lot of variety in this position group. A lot of different body types, a lot of different skill sets. That is interesting. They're also the most boring position of 2021 because, gosh darn it, spent the most of the season just asking the tight ends to do something Anything interesting, please. Didn't work out. First guy up on our list is Tyler Davis. 121 snaps on offense in 2021, 232 on special teams, four catches, 35 yards for Davis this season. He looks to be the heir to Mercedes Lewis. He's generally a blocker, has some receiving upside too. The bad for him this season is that I think he's still a big unknown and his 121 snaps on offense did not do a lot to clear up uh, what we don't know about him. 
Bottom line for him, though, is he still seems like a solid prospect and looking ahead to 2022, there's a good chance I think he is the Packers' most impactful tight end in 2022, given the age of Mercedes Lewis, given the injury to Robert Tunyon, given the relative limitations of a guy like Josiah DeGuara, it might just end up being Tyler Davis. You never know. Dominique Daphne, meanwhile, played 167 snaps on offense in 2021, 109 on special teams. In terms of stats, two catches for 34 yards. He had two catches for 26 in 2020. Just as a comparison, good news. He appeared in 20 or in 10 games. That's fine. Bad news for Daphne is he didn't really shine in any way in a relatively small role this year. It's just kind of there, which pains me to say as a guy who's a big fan of of Deguara, uh, not of Deguara, of Daphne, uh, a big fan of the sort of role that he plays, just was kind of there this season. He's probably back for 2022, just his competition. I don't see a reason to move on, but the Packers are probably going to be adding outside talent to tight end this offseason too, so things could get pretty tight for Daphne, and he is probably going to be one of the first out the door if they need to squeeze somebody off their current tight end depth chart. Robert Tunyon played 306 snaps on offense in 2021 and 17 on special teams. Ended up with 18 catches, 204 yards, and two touchdowns. He was having, I think, a really good season when he went down. Sure, the stats weren't there, but we knew the stats were going to regress. Sure, he hadn't had a huge impact on any one game, but the Packers were asking him to do some different things. The Packers were in survival mode when he went down. But he was doing it all for the Packers and doing it pretty well. Blocking when they needed a blocker, catching when they needed reception help. He was having a good year, I think. The ACL is obviously bad news, though. And that leaves his 2021 as more a question mark than a disappointment for me. We knew the stats were going to regress. We knew that he couldn't match what he did in 2020 stat-wise. It just wasn't going to happen. But we never really got to see what he could be the year after his big statistical year. And that's a problem. And it's a problem that's going to continue because heading into 2022, I'd say Tunyon's future is more uncertain than anybody not named Rodgers or Adams. His knee injury obviously complicates everything. And I think both sides, as a result, would probably benefit from a bit of a look around. He needs to go out there and say, what do we stand to make here? And do the Packers want to come close to that figure? If he goes and finds out, it might decide things for both sides. If it's not a huge figure, maybe he takes a little bit less to stay in Green Bay where he has his best shot at at continuing to grow as a player, hypothetically. If not, if he just gets a big contract from somebody, maybe they just wish him well and say, good luck, keep going with the the knee rehab. We hope you uh, get back to 100%. It's confusing and a little bit tough. And a reminder that football is a brutal game. That takes a lot away from guys. Josiah DeGuara played 367 snaps in 2021, nearly 33% of the Packers' offensive snaps, 25 catches, 245 yards, and two touchdowns. Good news for DeGuara is that he seemed to gain Rodgers' trust over the course of the season. He seems to be about the best athlete the Packers have at tight end right now. Tunyon's probably close, though a different kind of athlete. They're built different body-wise. The bad news for DeGuara is that he was supposed to be the Packers' Kyle Juszczyk when he was drafted, and he's just not. He's not going to get there. And that's an expectations problem as much as a talent problem. But expectations come when you're a third-round pick, so it's kind of just the name of the game. 
There were also times this year where he was visibly not on the same page as Aaron Rodgers, which is always going to be a career-limiting move, though that seemed to dissipate over the course of the season. Bottom line is, I would say his 2021 was pretty good. Maybe not as good as it could have been, but considering he too was coming back from an ACL injury, pretty good. 2022 probably looks like more of the same for uh, DeGuara. If the Packers have entered the Jordan Love era by that point, I think he could have a bigger role. It just feels like something that could develop for him. He may also be affected by whatever happens to the Packers with Robert Tunyon and Mercedes Lewis, uh, but we'll see. We'll see what uh, what develops for DeGuara. Kind of a, a bit of a question mark, uh, but still some athletic upside there uh, and plays an interesting role in the Packers' offense. Finally, Mercedes Lewis, the Packers' leader and snaps at tight end, uh, played 478 on offense this past season, 42.83%. Relevant stats, uh, 23 catches, 214 yards, no touchdowns, did not get into the end zone, had the one taken away in Arizona on a spectacular catch, which they should absolutely just have counted because it was really cool. But those catches and yards were both highs for Lewis in Green Bay. Same old Mercedes that he's always been. Going to be a big, heavy force in the ground game and catch a few people off guard in the passing game. It's just what he does. The bad is really how things ended. There's a chance that our lasting final image of Mercedes Lewis is going to be the fumble in the divisional round game, which probably turned the game. I'm convinced that had Mercedes Lewis not fumbled there, the Packers were going to go down, score a touchdown, and the 49ers would have just collapsed, and that would have been it. And we'll never know how that would have played out because obviously the fumble did happen, and it changed things in a big way. The bottom line is he he was good until he wasn't. And the, the mistake came on the biggest possible stage, and it hurt the Packers in about the biggest possible way. If he wants to come back for 2022, I say welcome him back. And that is with or without Aaron Rodgers, because the Packers could use a guy like Mercedes Lewis. They could use a veteran leader. They could just use another solid tight end, and he's all of those things. So if he wants to come back, I say you bring him back, whether or not Aaron Rodgers comes along with him. So I've got four in this episode. I do appreciate listening in. It's a little bit of a longer episode. Congrats to you. You got to listen to a longer episode today. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode and you think there's somebody else out there who would enjoy it as well, I would encourage you to go ahead and share it with them. That's going to get more people involved in this conversation you and I and everybody else are having around the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.